Hello and welcome to episode 50 of Virgo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And joining me once again is the glorious League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you doing there, mate? Pretty good. Congratulations on episode 50. We've done it. Yeah, we made it. This is where we tell everyone this will be the last episode. No, not really. <laughs> Who'd have thought back in those early days of the podcast all those years ago that yeah. we'd get to this stage? Yeah, I know. Three weeks. It's been a long time. <laughs> it's, it's taken a while. <laughs> so we, we've uh, deliberated over this for a while. What should we do on episode 50? And we asked a lot of people, we got a lot of ideas, and in the end we decided to ignore it all and just do something that we've probably done once before already. Yeah. Well, it was either that or we had to put in some preparation, and we don't like to preparate for anything. Yeah, and we know that you people don't <laughs> like it when we do that. I, I think you used a word there. Yeah, yeah. I made it up. Preparate, that's a word. I'm running with that. That's going to go up there with Purdcast. Yeah, Purdcast, episode we're, one. We're one Preparate. All. There was another one, too, that we made up. I'm sure I've had a few. Yeah. Anyway, today we're going to do our two-thirds year review Mm. and look at all the teams with their... They've got a third of the season left because, you know, everyone does half-year review and all that sort of crap. We want to mix it up a bit. Yeah, Um, we don't like being like everyone else. That's right. And besides, two-thirds is sweet because it's just after the origin period. We're just about to start the run to the final, so it seems perfect. Yeah, and it really is. The NRL season is is split up into thirds, and I think we did the the first third of the year just heading into Origin as well. Yep. So it's weird how long Origin actually takes when you have a look at it. So uh, yeah, this is the time to do it, and and this is the run into the finals. So it's like where everyone's set up for, and and we'll see. We'll have a look at every single team. Yeah, so let's get underway. We'll start with the Broncos, and uh, they're currently sitting in 13th on the ladder. Uh, they've had six wins. Is it one, two, five? Yeah, six wins in yeah, a Yeah, six wins, yep. Um, their season's pretty much been, um, I suppose, headlined by Darius Boyd being shit and yep. Anthony Seabold not knowing what the fuck he's doing. Yeah, he seems to, like, it, it, it felt, and I think we talked about this a little bit in the, the first uh, review we did it feels like you come in and he had Wayne Bennett's team and he sort of just l- was like okay you know we let's keep going boys and he didn't have sort of an idea of what he wanted to do with the team and like he's made some changes here and there but it feels like some of the changes he's made have haven't been great and the changes he really has had to make he hasn't really made. I mean, moving Boyd from fullback into 5'8 has been nothing short of a disaster. Um, McCulloch is is in the same boat as Boyd, really, in that they would probably be additions by subtraction if he dropped both of them to reserve grade. The problem is that they're both on, you know, there's a bit, fair bit of money wrapped up in both of them, and he's already got such a young side anyway. Um, it's not a really good situation. They, they can still make the finals, as most teams can in the league. But uh, it's just been a very messy season for them. Yeah, it's... Um, and the, the changes that he's made, you know, that Darius Boyd to 5-8-1, that seemed like um, one of those ideas you make when you're playing a, a you know a, a computer game for the first time on a sports thing and you don't actually follow the sports, you're just doing something to see what happens to see if you can get a different <laughs> result. 
Yeah. Um, there's no rhyme or reason behind it or any real valuable knowledge behind it. It's just like, you know, how much worse can it get? What, and yes. if we jag a win, then maybe I'm a genius. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it's like he's been so bad there too. Um, it, it bad enough that like halfway into that experiment, you wouldn't have been shocked if you moved him straight to the wing. And I don't know why you would persist with that. I mean, Boyd is on so much money and he's got like a three-year deal or something ridiculous. And it's just very, very clear that his, his career is over. Like he just hasn't got it anymore. He's not a first grade player anymore. It's, I don't know, it's it's a really interesting thing. Um, the one thing that's been a standout for me has been Milford because he he's been moved to fullback, mm. which he has played before, obviously. But he's now playing fullback and five eight, and he looks to be doing it easy. Yeah, which and has like, just made it even harder to justify keeping Boyd in the side if they've got a fullback who can do all of that. You know, yeah. why why bother having Boyd in the team at all? And we were saying that Milford should have been moved to fullback earlier in the year. And it was funny because just as he found his feet, he was moved to fullback. And he probably took a game just to get his feet again at fullback. But he's been fantastic. And, I mean, even in that last game, he was he was trying to drag that, that Broncos team kicking and screaming to a win. Um, and as you say, it's like he's playing two positions. It's really... He's doing such a great job, um, and it really highlights why Boyd isn't good enough in first grade because at fullback, he was giving them nothing, and now at 5'8", it's worse than giving them nothing. He's actually, you know, detrimental to their performance. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they just need to bite the bullet there and maybe work out something with Darius Boyd where they I, – I don't know what you do, whether you can stretch out his contract over a number of years or something – um, and just say, look, we, we just don't need you anymore, but we'll still pay out your contract. I don't know, but they need to do something about it because it's the elephant in the room for the Broncos. Maybe they could hire Justin Potato to go up there and get some sort of post-playing career contract yeah, on for Darius. He'd go up there and he'd do a press conference and announce, oh, you know what, Darius Boyd, we're going to pay him as an ambassador, and that's how we're getting out of our salary cap issues. It'd be fantastic. Now, I've got a question. If if um the Broncos were to drop Boyd, yeah. how much does letting Nicarima go hurt them now that Milford's making a, a good fist of things at fullback? Well look I I mean I think Nicarima I feel like Nicarima is probably a hooker, hey. I don't think that he's a halfback. I, I he's not an organizer. Um But this is he, the thing, he could play as a running five eighth here because you know, you've got you've got Milford doing a big chunk of the work there, mm-hmm. and you only need someone like Turpin's been playing pretty well at at yeah. halfback. Yeah, if he's just got a decent ball runner next to him, like Nicarima, I think that would be a lot better than what they currently got, where they've just got Boyd there standing around trying not to lose the game. Essentially, is what his drop job is now. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's definitely hurt their their depth there, and like you could have Nicarima in there and he's not going to be as much of an issue as if you bring in another rookie or something. But, um, you know, it, it's, it was a, I thought it was a weird move by everyone involved with that Nicarima move. Um, I understand why he did it himself because he would have got a better contract and a longer term deal going over New Zealand. He probably wanted to go and play New Zealand, but, um, I think for, for the clubs involved, I really didn't understand it too much. 
So, um, it, you know, you, you would have understood understood it more if the Broncos had have said, look, we're clearing out the halves, we're bringing in two youngsters, Boyd is getting dropped and, and Milford's going to fullback. But they've sort of messed around with it so much that that's not what's really happened. Yeah, and now they've got to the stage where the, the coach is guessing so much. He's brought in so many youngsters there. Um, 13 of their 30 players are aged 22 or younger this year. Yeah. Yeah, and look, they've got some really good young players. Oh, no doubt, but it's you can't have that much churn going on in a side and that many rookies coming in and expect consistently good performances. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, they're, they're chopping and changing. And I mean, on top of that, some of the players that they would normally select in every single game, they've had like injuries or origin has, has, has come in and, and messed it up. And so, I mean, that team is switching positions like every single week um so yeah that's got to hurt them too yeah. i mean that's the thing they've got just six plays in that team aged mm. aged over 26 mm. it's to me it's like it's great for the future there yeah but yeah. the short term there's going to be a bit of pain there because you've got a team that young um you're not as i said you're not going to get consistent performances out of them they're going to be hit and miss yeah, definitely, and and look, it, it, they're they're not very good away from home. They've only won three games away from home. Um, at, like at home, they're not fantastic, but you know, I, it's I guess it is what you you come up with with a young side. But the problem is they're carrying a couple of old dudes as well. They've just got to bite mm. the bullet with a few positions and and really decide like. They they need direction. They need to have a plan, and it feels like that they haven't really got a plan right now. They're just feeling everything out. I think that's the big issue at the Broncos right now. Yep, fully agree. Um, <clears throat> moving on to the Canberra Raiders, mm. um, they've they're a bit of a different beast this year. There's there's some awful lot of sameness about them. Like the the roster hasn't changed much at all over the years. Mm. But instead of being this team that would rack up cricket scores every week and let in fairly decent scores as well. They're now quite a decent defensive side. Um, and last weekend, at a time when you thought they would probably choke given they were down to 12 players for, for you know nearly half an hour, mm-hmm. they just didn't. Yeah, they've got a bit of a steeliness about them. Um, I personally am still not convinced. I think come finals time, they'll choke really, really hard. I think that the best teams in the competition will just attack Crocker's side of the field. And, and you know, he leaks like a sieve when it comes to opposition points. Um, So, yeah, I I just... There's some good things about them. I like uh, Papali. I think he's having the season of his career. Um, They've got some... They've got a hard work and forward pack, but I think that... I really do. I think that when the finals roll around, that they're going to be found wanting. Yeah, I mean, they've lost six six of their seven losses this year have been against sides currently in the top eight. Yeah. Um, if you can't close out games against those sides, you're not going to do much in the finals race. Yeah, and that's the problem. And, and like, you know, if, if Aiden Caesar is your featured half, you've got problems. And, you know, there's been a couple of games where he's played all right, but... It's just not going to work. It's not going to work for you. And eventually they're going to be found out um, in the halves as well. So, um, look, they've had a good season. They've had one of their better seasons. Uh, it's good to see the people of Canberra getting behind them as well. But, yeah, I, I just 
I, I don't rate them. I really don't rate them. And I know that's going to piss off Canberra fans, but I don't care. Um, question then. Yes. Given that they've been stuck in this, this holding pattern for the last few years, trying to determine whether Sam Williams or Aiden Caesar's their halfback, yeah. and they still don't know, Yeah. will their recruit for next year, George Williams, solve their issues at halfback? Well, the last pommy halfback that was any good was called Bobby Goulding. And Bobby Goulding is probably old enough to be his dad. So I would suggest no. <laughs> so, I don't know. George, I found in the in the Super League, if, we, if we're going to be serious for a sec, yeah. um, as much as George has played test football for England, yeah, I found even in the Super League, playing for Wigan with one of the stronger teams there, He's mm-hmm. even been inconsistent there at times. Yeah, and I mean... Which, which baffles me given that, you know, you won in one of the top three marquee sides there and that have been a marquee side for, you know, 20, 30-odd years, and yet you mm. can't you can't get consistent form in that system. Um, yeah. All right. It's, I, I worry... I worry if he's, if he's going to get much game time over here. Like, he'll probably... He'll start the start of the year, obviously. Mm-hmm but I wonder if you'll see it out and play the whole season. Yeah, look, if I understand what the Raiders are trying to do. They find it hard to recruit players that are Australian. So they've gone to the UK and they've thought, look, we can recruit pretty much who we want from the UK. Um, but I would never have recruited a, an English halfback because for the most part, they're, they're garbage. And um, that's been proven over the last few decades now. So I think that it's going to be a, a complete and utter failure. I wouldn't be shocked if he was back in England halfway through next year. Yeah, it's going to be a tricky one. Um, mm. But uh, I suppose the one talking point is their their defence has been brilliant. They've held three teams scoreless this year, which they've never done before. I don't think. Yeah. Um, so it's been it's been pretty good. We've seen the um, the growth of of Nick Kotrick. Yeah, he's been um, good. Jack Whiten's had a, a good year. And young young fullback, Charles Nickel Clockstad, who they picked up from the Warriors. Oh. Um, God, he's been stunning this year. He's been there. Like, look, I think Papali's had uh, the best year of his career, but I think uh, Nickel, what's his name? Nickel Clockstad? Clockstad, yeah. Who's that? Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's definitely their best player this year, without question. He's been rock solid at the back. His attack is fantastic. His safest houses back there, um, and he—I think he's probably been the buy of the season in the whole NRL. Oh yeah, he has just been playing with with an absolute boot full of confidence too, and it just mm. shows. Um, yeah, and from game one as well, like he just mm. hit the ground running. It's it's funny how sometimes players just need to be in the right environment to get the most out of themselves, and it's been fantastic to see him play. Yeah, he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, who have we got next? The Bulldogs. Yeah. Uh, currently sitting 15th on the ladder, second last. Which, yeah, what a season from them. <laughs> if, well, look, if if we go back to, you know, when we're looking at them, I suppose, at the one-third mark, mm-hmm. they'd have, I think, two wins at that stage. Mm. Um, and we're sitting dead last. And it looked that looked like where they should belong. Yeah. It just looked like there was going to be no other team that was going to be worse than them. Yeah. But... To their credit, I mean, they've won their last two games. Um, they're hanging for, in there. They're sticking around. They fight. They scrap. Yeah, and it's not like they they have 
had no injuries to deal with or anything. Like, there was a lot of criticism of pay from Bulldogs fans, and I, I, I never understood why, because he needed time with this team. And it's a, it's look, it's not a first-grade team for the most part, but he has got this team playing really hard. They haven't got the talent, but they really, they put in. They put in and they give everything they've got. And sometimes they lose, but, man, they, they've won more games than I think anyone thought they would. Um, and they're, you know, getting um, Watini Zelezniak was a good addition. It's He set them up to – it was what they needed. They needed that that reset from what was happening under Hasler, and they've got that now. And they've got this new – it's almost like a steely determination at the club. They're not good players. But damn, they they play their asses off, and that's what you want out of a coach. That's his job, you know. They're not winning every game, but he's definitely got them playing about as well as you could hope for. It's exactly right, and it's worth noting too. Only one of their players is aged over thirty, and that's Aiden yeah. Tolman, and he's only just turned thirty this year. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, look, he's had he's been dealing with young halves and all sorts of things too, and it he's just done great with it. Like, I really do. I think Dean Pay's been fantastic. Yeah, I I do like the look of um that young winger, Jaden Oakenbaugh. Yeah. He hasn't played a lot of games, but, I mean, he is just a huge beast of a thing. Yeah, he um, needs to get rid of the, the um, mistakes out of his game. Yeah, he's he's got a bit of Idris about him, obviously. Yeah. But he's faster than Idris. Oh, yeah, way faster. <laughs> and, and fitter. Difficult. Yeah. Well, that's true. It's, uh, yeah, he's... Uh, he looks like he could be anything, that kid. Would you... I've got a question for you. Would you... And we'll probably talk about this at the end of the episode, but Dean Pay, Coach of the Year candidates, would he be in there for you? Um, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd throw him in there. He won't win, but I'd throw him in there because yeah. that, that side is not expected to win any of the games they play. Mm. Um, you know, they... They push the storm in one game, and in another game where the storm are in red hot form, they they only won twenty eight to six. I know it sounds like a big margin, but you'd have thought coming up against the last place side, you know, first versus last, and first has just been smacking people around. Mm. You'd have thought the storm would have racked up a cricket score there. Yeah, um, they, they've been really punching above their weight when it comes up against the teams where they're expected to get copper hiding. Yeah, exactly, and and that I think you see it in the the contest. Like the other team will be, there was a game against the um, the Dragons, where I fully expected the Dragons to just smash them. This was earlier in the year when they were actually playing well, and the Bulldogs just they held on, they held on, they really made it a contest for most of the most of the match, and you could see the. It, it it really puts some of these teams off because they can't do what they want to do against them or what they expect to be able to do against Bulldogs. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting when you see that. Yeah, I mean, look, they had a tough game with South, a close one with Manly. Um, as I said, one with Melbourne, another one with Canberra. Um, beat Cronulla, thanks to Cronulla's bad goal kicking. Beat Newcastle last week. Um yeah, I don't think they they certainly haven't disgraced themselves. I think they're no. they're doing pretty damn well, um, and they've got a pretty mixed run home. So I wouldn't be surprised if they pick up a few more wins and, and steer off the uh, the wooden spoon as well. Yeah, and and the thing about them is, 
I think without question, by some way, they're the least talented squad in the league, and yet they're not in last place. So that that's, I mean, that's a win in itself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hang on to Dean Pay. I think he's doing brilliantly yeah, there too. Definitely. Uh, move on to the Sharks. Um, yeah. Now, I, I did a little, a little bit of number crunching today where mm-hmm. I created a ladder where... Essentially, it was just based on if every team kicked every single goal they attempted. Yeah. And on that ladder, Cronulla a fourth. Really? Oh, jeez. Yep. Wow. In reality, they're sitting in ninth place on the ladder. And to me, that says, given the amount of injuries they've got, how many youngsters they've had to bring in, the issues with having to bring in a coach in January, mm. That's. I think that's a pretty damn good bloody story where the only thing that's prevented them from being high on the ladder hasn't been a lack of talent or a lack of application or anything like that. It's been the fact that shitty little one percenters like kicking goals mm. is a difference between them being in the top four and being in ninth place. Yeah, and a lot of that has been just the last month and a half as well. Yeah. Like it, it's not like they've been like that the whole season. It's just that last month and a half where things have just been a little bit shaky. Um, obviously they've got a few questions. I mean, look, Morris took over from a coach that was banned from the game for life. That was a terrible situation to walk into. He was taken over an aging squad. Um, there were some issues there. He had to integrate Sean Johnson into the team late. Uh, you know, he has a few injury prone plays there and yet he's brought through a lot of youngsters into the team. Sherry has been fantastic. Um, Flanagan has been fantastic and I think that if he didn't have those massive salaries sitting in that squad like the, he probably would have brought a lot more younger players through and it really begs the question what do they do with some of these players who are on big money who aren't performing yeah um, you just got to look at it I mean obviously you got to be looking at uh, Dugan, Sean Johnson um they both need to be moved on. Paul Gunn's yeah. trying at the end of the year. I mean, if those three those three move on, and Aaron Woods as well, um, if you can get those four to all leave the club, mm. you've, you've probably freed up close to bloody three million bucks. Yeah. And, and That's like massive Woods, money. Woods just gives you nothing as a forward. Um, Johnson, I, I don't know what it is. It Maybe it's just the wrong situation for him, but it, he... He just hasn't added anything to the team. He's been really disappointing. Moylan has been very, very hot and cold. Um, and, yeah, they, they um, look, Dugan, I think Dugan's done, which is kind of weird because he's now, only a young player. I heard there was some criticism during the week. Yeah. And it was from Gordon Taylor saying that, you know, he's just too injury prone and he shouldn't be playing anymore. Every time I see him, he's always on the canvas. And I sat there and had a look at some highlights of Josh Dugan playing and when he got injured. And I think the problem with his game and why he gets injured so much is he's putting his body on the line so much harder than he needs to. Yeah. And that's causing these injuries. You look at some of the injuries he's got. It's um, head knocks. Yeah. Just running too hard. Um, busting his arm, getting his legs hurt. And it's, again, trying to push too hard in tackles. I think it's their effort injuries where he's trying too hard to try and do something, which is – I think they're things that he needs to – Real back if he wants to start lengthening his career. I think that's what it is. I don't think it's actually um, an ability issue or it's a um, 
you know, an actual issue of him being injury prone, I think he's thrown himself into this stuff too hard because we've seen him in his younger days and we're not, we don't have to go back far. We're going to go back to his time with the Dragons. Yeah. Um, he's a quality player when he's, when he's in good form. And I think this is the problem he gets is that when his form goes down, he tries, he throws his body into it more to try and get himself into a better form. And it, all it does is it gets him injured and gets him further away from hitting that form. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I just think he's been. I don't. I, don't, I think his form form has been really poor this year at times. Like, there's been some good games. There was, I can't remember who it was he was playing against. Um, it might have been the Dragons or someone. But there was one game where he really. It was like he'd recaptured his old form again. But I, I just think he looks like a player whose body is starting to let him down. It's and it's something that. If he was 34 years old, you'd say, oh, yeah, you expect that. I, I think he's only 29 years old from memory. You know, he's not an old player. Um, I just think it's like I wouldn't want him. I wouldn't want my club to sign him next year. And no. I think that uh, the Sharks will be happy to have him off the books. But, yeah, it makes you wonder where his career goes from here because – I mean, the the Sharks have been able to bring in some really good young backs, and I think they'll replace him pretty easily. But uh, yeah, yeah. it's it's been weird how his career has gone the last probably eighteen months. Yeah, I'd say the problem is also being contributed by the fact that he's playing out of position. Yeah, he's been forced to play at centre, and it was initially they put him there because it was going to help his chances of getting an Origin spot because Tedesco came along. Yeah, um, and for the first year it worked, but it's he's just he's not he's not suited for that position in the game. Um, he's a genuine fullback. You just can't take that out of him. That's that's the only role he knows. Well, they were saying that he also he asked them to put him at wing, and he it just didn't work for him on the wing. Um, I and I guess that move to the wing maybe he thought it would be something that would prolong his career a little bit um really interesting to see what happens with him next year because yeah. i don't i don't know who would sign him well his time on the wing was sort of hampered because the, um josh morris got called up to origin and yeah he had to come back in into center to play there but yeah they've got i think they've just got a few to they've got a few good players there that can play in the playing the centres there now, um, that he's no longer better than. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. just like, and, and players that when they get the ball, it's like panic stations, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You don't feel that same way with Dugan. He's more. He's better when you're attacking on the line. He uses his size and strength. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you don't worry that Josh Dugan's going to make an 80-metre break. No. No, that's right. Um, yeah, that other player you mentioned, Matt Moylan. Um, I think the Sharks have to hang on to him because they just don't have they don't have anyone ready to replace him at fullback yet. I think young um, William Kennedy mm-hmm. will take over that role in the future. He's, he looks a bit like a young Valentine Holmes when he first yeah. came on the scene. Yeah, and I think they'll probably groom him for that role, but he's not ready yet. I think he needs another year in lower grades before he can come along. Yeah, and I like I, I would suggest that Moylan's on enough money that the Sharks would find it almost impossible to move him on, unless they 
you know, unless there was a team like, I don't know, maybe the Gold Coast wanted a, a bit of a change or the Bulldogs decided they could eat his salary until someone better come along, I don't know. But I think it'd be really hard to move. Yeah. Uh, so I think they're going to have a fair bit of churn this year in their roster because, I mean, they've already let go of Fecky. Yeah. Um, he's going over to England. Yeah. Um, there's talk that Jaden Bradley's going to Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, Kurt Capel apparently has been in talks with the Broncos, apparently. So there's a little bit of churn expected to happen there. The big one they need to work on is that they, more than anything, they need to sort out Sean Johnson because yeah, they that's cannot the risk one. having Kyle Flanagan sitting as a benchie for another year. That kid is ready to play NRL now. Yeah, I would just have him playing, you know, and Sean Johnson, I would just say to him, listen, dude, it's, it's, it hasn't worked here. We know that we've got your commitment in terms of your salary, but if you can find somewhere else to play, it's probably the way to go for everyone. Um, I'd actually I'd actually think the best thing for Sean Johnson right now mm-hmm. is to go over to England for a year, Yeah, play over there, maybe even in the second division. I'm not saying that's his level, but go over there and just for one year dominate every fucking game he plays <laughs> and get him to think to himself, I can play this this well because I think part of his problem always in his career has been confidence. Yeah. And I think what we're seeing right now is he's playing with no confidence. I think if you put him out there and get him playing against bloody Bradford and, you know, teams like that, just get him out there just ripping him apart and make him realise, I can do this. It makes you and, wonder, should he go to Canada, play for Toronto? It wouldn't be, be a bad idea. For them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Be a nice change. It did. It'd just be something very different for him, you know, and um, they'd see him as a, a franchise player. I think that would be a great move for him. He would tear it apart. Mm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, who's, who have we got next here? We've got uh, the Titans. The most oh, disappointing damn. team in the NRL and yeah. for too long. Um, they've got... They've got a very good forward pack. They've mm-hmm. got they've got a decent back line. It's not world beaters, but they're not the worst either. Yeah, they're all right. Um, their halves are not great. Well, one of them isn't anyway, but he's not there at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, and apparently there was rumours that the players were, they didn't like, they didn't like um, Brennan. Yeah. And they practically revolted to get rid of him. To me, that's not a coach issue. There's a lot of players in there that need to be... They need to sort out who's behind that movement within the club and mm-hmm. get rid of those players who do that because if it's happened with this coach, it's going to happen with the next one and the one after that. And you can't have yeah. a situation like that because it's never going to be a situation where the club's going to be successful. No, and, and look, there, and we talked about it in the last episode, I can see where some players can see that a coach just isn't up to the up to the standard that a first grade coach should be, um, and I I tend to feel like from what we saw from Brennan over his time at the Titans, I, I think that that was probably the case, um, but it does set up a real dangerous precedent when the t- when you've got the players because you just need enough of them to band together and then they they get the next coach and they're like. You know, when they turn on him, then what happens? Have you got to get rid of eight players? Have you got to get rid of ten players? Um, 
Well, it's look, I mean, the situation was they had they had a similar thing that happened at the West Tigers. Yeah. And Ivan Cleary came in yeah. and cleaned out a whole lot of people he thought were, were part of the problem. Yeah. And you saw the amount, the amount of changes that Tigers team had in that first year under Cleary. Mm-hmm. But they're in a better place now. And I think that's the sort of thing that the Titans are going to look at is, sure, we've got a good-looking squad, but if there's players there that are part of this negative mindset that's getting rid of coaches and whatnot, then we can't have that here. We need to scrap them. Yeah, and look, I think every single player at the Titans is replaceable. I don't think there's anyone that you can really look at and say, oh, well, we just definitely cannot lose him. Um, it doesn't help when your franchise halfback that you're playing, uh, paying nearly a million dollars a year for needs time off for personal reasons mid-season. Like, I, I understand that you've got to look after players' welfare and things like that, but that's what the money's for, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you can't... You can't pocket the nine hundred and something thousand dollars and then say, "Well, you know, it's having a bad time of it and stuff." You, at some point, when you're earning that much money, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You got to play. So that that's the big issue for them in terms of um, their halves. But I mean, Peachy went up. Peachy didn't want to go there before it even got there. The Titans should have just said, "Look, if you don't want to come here, we'll we'll get rid of you now. We'll cut your contract." Yeah. You don't take a dollar off from us, you know, um, and I don't understand why they would do that. I think Brennan, you know, going out of his way to get Cartwright up there was an absolute disaster. You know, Bryce Cartwright's not a first grader, and they're just different things like that that just have crippled them. Yeah, they've got some, they do have some handy players in there, but it's just, it's just been a whole season and a half there, especially the, you know, this last year and a half, where they've just you just look at them going, you know, there's no game plan, there's no structure, there's no idea what they're going to do. Mm. It's just you know, do four hit ups, kick the ball high on the last, see what happens. Yeah, it's like they're playing off the cuff and they don't yeah. have a game plan. And and we talked about it in the last episode. They've got two legitimate starting first grade hookers you'd think that they'd be tearing it up the middle of the field and it just it, that doesn't happen <laughs> you know they just sort of play off the cuff it doesn't really make much sense and hope like i think i hope they get griffin in because i think he'll do the job at the club it was funny i was watching um nrl 360 before we started recording obviously in you know in the green room that we have here at the uh, studio so it's an NRL 360 on the big flat screen that we have here. And, uh, yeah, it, they were saying that Kevin Walters is a perfect guy for the job and, and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, no, nah, it's Griffin. It's got to be Griffin. And if they yeah. get anyone else, it'll, apart from Jeff, Jeff Tuvey, if they got Jeff Tuvey, I think it'll be a good signing. But I think if it's not Griffin or Jeff Tuvey, they've got somebody who is not the ideal person. Yeah, they need a hard ass in there. I mean, yeah. Brennan initially suited the job because, you know, he's a former copper. Yeah. But he was, I think he was going there and he wanted to be one of those blokes who didn't rock the boat because it was his first gig. He's trying to, you know, set himself up for a career here. Mm-hmm. That's understandable. But, yeah, they need someone who's got some runs on the board and knows what he's doing and it has to be Griffin or Tuvi. I'd, I'd lean towards Griffin. Yeah, so would I. So would I. Just because he's a little bit older, um, 
you know, he's had a few different coaching jobs. He knows he's, I mean, his record is going to get him, you know, more coaching jobs as his career goes forward. And I think that, yeah, he's the guy for the job. And hopefully they get him. Hopefully, because they need it. Yeah. And leave Justin Holbrook to, you know, keep the Saints out of uh, relegation areas. <laughs> yeah. It's just just scraping by there. Over they are, the you know. They had two <laughs> two weeks where they were outside the top eight out of the last eight years, seven yeah. years, something like yeah. that. Uh, fucking hell. It's terrible. Cool. Telegraph, um, Telegraph fucking reporters. Horrible. Yeah. Uh, next is Manly. And... Mm. Uh, this is the year that proved, without a shadow of a doubt, how shit Trent Barrett was as a coach. 100%. Shocking. Shocking that they could get rid of Trent Barrett and all them problems and drama and the fucking whinging. And they bring in Des Hasler, whose career was over, and they're sitting in fifth position on the ladder with this, like, maybe even a worse squad. Yeah. Because I think this is their last year where they're dealing with the, the salary cap penalty that was put on for cap breaches and stuff. So I it, think next it's year, next year they get, yeah, next year they get their full cap back. And it's, oh boy, they they look a million times better this year. Daly Chair Evans is playing the house down. Um, Tom Trebojevic, he's only played seven games this year, including Origin, and he's won all of them. That's crazy. <laughs> um, the bloke's just in stunning form. Jake nice Trevoy if you could pick just... lotto numbers for us, eh? Absolutely. <laughs> have to hit him up for that. Yeah. Um, and another one that's really, really impressive is he's got Curtis Sirin and looking like a second row at last. You know, it's interesting because you were talking to me about Curtis Sirin and it was about three weeks ago now, and you were saying how he'd been used at the Tigers and they sort of with moving him towards almost a, a five eighth sort of role, a ball playing second row lock sort of player. And he just needed to be taken back to being told run hard and tackle hard and forget everything else. And I've really been watching him since you brought that up. And it seems like it is starting to click for him because he has been sensational, especially the last two weeks. And then that last game, he was great. Um, He's. It really is. It seems like that he's just been told to simplify it, and it's incredible because you, it was just when you you mentioned it to me. You know what? You're a rugby league expert. There you go. I said all. <laughs> I've been saying it for years too, and it's 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 something that's frustrated with me because you could see the potential in that kid since yeah. day one. Yeah. That he was. You know, he looked like the sort of player who would potentially become an Origin player from as a junior, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and. He just had this this skill set that didn't match his body shape, where yeah. he was a generally good ball player, and he was coming through the juniors playing as a you know halfback five eight, who was a ball playing one, not a ball running one. And as his body kept getting bigger and bigger, like his old man's, it just became apparent that he's going to be too slow for playing in the halves. Mm. He needs to move into second row. But while he was still growing and still getting accustomed. The first thing they should have done is said, right, let's give you a season playing at centre so you can learn how to run the lines, how to tackle, you know, how the structures work out there and get you running forward instead of sideways because you're not a half anymore. And that one year could have been enough to get him on the right track and made him a marquee player at the Tigers. But instead, they just put him straight in the second row and left him there for two years to try and learn it. 
Yeah, yeah. You can't learn that stuff playing the games when you've never done it. Yeah, you've barely done it before. And I think that was the great thing that Hasler's done is he's just said, okay, this is your two jobs. You run straight in that direction and then you tackle and it runs near you. That's it. Yeah, and it's working. And he, he's he's on the verge of being the sort of player that you've got to talk about during the week, that you've got to stop him. Yeah. Um, because he really is. He's in fantastic form. And if he continues to to improve, he wouldn't be too far off of origin contention. Again, maybe not as a starter, but just off the bench. Um, It's really fantastic to see. It's great when you see a player who was maybe a little bit um, misguided by others in terms of what they should be doing with their careers. They go somewhere else and they sort of work it out. And and they get back on their feet and they go in the right direction and and that's what we're seeing with Sirenin because uh yeah he's he's in the career best form by a long long way yeah he's looking absolutely fantastic um I suppose for them the for Manly do they keep Dylan Walker because he hasn't done a huge amount in his time at Manly on the field we won't talk about the off field stuff yeah. <laughs> well, is he off contract at the end of the year? I geez, he must be close. And this is the crazy thing. He's twenty four. Really? He's only twenty four. It feels like he's been around forever. Yeah. Um look I he he doesn't really add too much more than an average um first grade centre would add. Like it's not like he's tearing it up at all. Um he never really has, if we're honest. He's had a few good games, you know, a purple patch in one season where he got caught up for Australia. Yeah, but, like, uh, he's sort of, was... it's weird. And a, a lot of that was like, oh, this young kid's going to go somewhere. We should give him some reps now. And it just, he hasn't kicked on for whatever reason. And he's he's had these off-field issues. He's he's had issues on the field where he's carried on like a bit, bit of a goose as well. Look, if I was the... I, I think they could probably move on from him pretty easily. Yeah, likewise. Um, talking about moving on. Mm-hmm. Segway. <laughs> Segway. Melbourne Storm. <laughs> yeah. The team, the team that everyone just keeps saying every year, this is the year that they fall out of fall away. Yeah, well, they lost Slater. I mean, how could they? how could they be any good? And here they are. <laughs> Here they are. Four, the competition. Fourteen wins and two losses. Crazy. Sitting in first place. Um, haven't been out of the top five all year, and they just they just look brilliant. The only weak spot I see in this side mm-hmm. is Will Chambers. Yeah, and it it. It really is. I can't think of any other weakness in their team, really. I mean, even this year, their forward pack is very good compared to what it's been in the past. Um, Munster is just unbelievable. Cameron Smith is unbelievable. Ageless. Yeah, yeah, incredible. I really do. like. And Chambers. I mean, Chambers is probably at the very edge of still being able to do a few things just because of his... um, Oh, it, well, just his, ex- I guess. yeah, his experience, yeah. yeah, and but I think next year it, it, he'll he'll go over that hump where it's too much because physically you can see he's he's not the player he was, and look, I, there's no doubt they've probably got three or four centers that'll probably step in, be playing for Queensland next year. <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. 
<laughs> uh, it's uh, their ability to align the next generation of superstars perfectly with when the current crop are leaving. Yeah, is I've never seen it before. Like you're looking here, we've got Cameron Smith and Brandon Smith in the same team. Oh. Cameron Smith is looking at retiring in the next one to two seasons, and Brandon Smith is now playing Test football for New Zealand, and he's playing a lot of game, a lot of time at lock, which means he's getting that defensive, you know, structure and and technique and everything in place now, so that when he does move to hooker, when Smith retires, it's like they haven't lost anything. Yeah, and like I mean, what would you rate Brandon Smith in terms of being a hooker in the game, like? I, th- I think there's like whether whether you say that Smith is first or Hooks first or it, you know they're the top two definitely. I think I have Brandon Smith like third. Like He's, that's how good he is. He and um, oh, they Victor Radley. Yeah, unbelievable athletes. The fact that they they've got that body, which is somewhat nuggety. Has the the speed and power to play out of uh, out of dummy half, but can also slot in and fill in at lock. Is that's just nonsense? Mm. It's like a it's like a new evolution of the modern day footballer, really, isn't it? Because yeah. I mean, Radley, I think could if he decided to, if he said tomorrow, and he should never do this, but if he said, "Look, I'm going to be a, a dummy half for the rest of my career," I feel like in a year from now we'd be saying, "Wow." He should have always been playing dummy half, you know. Yeah. He he can hit like a truck. I mean, he hits like somebody that's about twenty kilos heavier than him. And Brandon Smith is the same, and he's so strong. Like he's he must be like unnaturally strong because you see him dragging three and four defenders yeah. every single game. No, I'm a huge fan of that. Huge fan of that kid. Mm. Um, he just looks he looks ready. He's he's so he's so damn good. Um, and then you also look at the, um, oh, who's the fullback now? Jerome Hughes, how he's kicked on as well in the fullback role. And not just him, but also Ryan Pappenhausen's also come along. It's like Billy who? Yeah. And, just and, move on straight away. Yeah. Just like, you know, and just. It's crazy to think that you kind of felt like there was going to be this giant hole when Slater left, and it's just they, it's the storm. They just bring another one in. They bring another one in. It makes you wonder how, if you could take all of the players that are outside, say their top, say twenty players, and just scatter them across the league, like would it change the way the league was? Because they honestly, they've got so much talent that they must have in their junior development system that they really set up for having magnificent careers. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's stunning, especially given all the um, difficulties that they'd have because they've got to set up junior systems in Queensland, Mm. two States North. Yeah. You know, and Oh, it's just, it's phenomenal how they, the way they've managed things there. It really is. Um, I mean, just, just keeping keep churning track out of it. squads. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just keeping track of it, just being that far away. I mean, it's, uh, it's not like they can just, you know, it's not even like, oh, we'll go for an hour's drive and check out our, how our, you know, reserve grade squads going. It, it's, it's so far away. Um, it's magnificent that they can do it and that they, 
the thing about the Storm is they take a whole of organization approach. They're all moving in the one direction. And it's really a lesson for every other rugby league club that, you know, it's got to be your whole club has to be has to buy in and go in the same direction. You can't just have these different levels where different players are. You know, oh, I'm not a I'm not a first grader. I'm not this. You know, the at the Melbourne Storm, you're a Storm player, and that's yeah. it. And you might get called up any week, and you're expected to do your job, and that's just the way it is. And if you can't do it, they get rid of you. Um, but they very rarely get rid of players. They work with them, and they get them to be just fantastic performance. It's it's absolutely incredible. You know what's crazy is how long they've actually set themselves up for in the future for success. Do you know these these players in their ages are okay? Ryan yeah. Pappenhuysen, Curtis Scott, they're both twenty one. Brody Croft, twenty two. Brandon Smith, Nelson Asifa Solomona, uh Suliasu Vunavalu, twenty three, Josh Adokar, Marion Sevi, Jerome Hughes, Cameron Munster, they're twenty four. Wow. Christian Welch is 25. Patrick Kafusi is 25. It's... They've got a decade ahead of them. A lot yeah. of these guys aren't even at their peak yet. No, no. It's it's craziness. You know, it's... it's, it's as, you, as you say, every single time somebody moves on, it's like, well, Storm, they had a good run, and they bring in someone that's just as good. Yeah. <laughs> and they've been doing Seamless. it going back to, like... You know, when Glenn Lazarus retires, they're stuffed. When Brick yeah. Morley leaves, they've got no one. It's been going on for like, you know, 20 years or so. Yeah. Now, uh, well, next team, the Knights. And yeah. this one's tricky for me. Yeah. Because they had that, they had that run of five straight, well, five straight losses from round two to round six. Mm-hmm. And then they won, was it seven, six or seven straight games after that? Yeah, they went on a real good run. And beat they got some, themselves in top eight. Beat some average teams and teams yeah. out of form during that time, but a win's a win. And you've got to beat them. Yep. Um, but, boy, their form's nosedived. They they had a, a win against the Broncos, and they lost against the Hot and Cold Warriors, and then they lost last week to the Bulldogs. Yeah, yeah. And they've got the Roosters this weekend. And in the future, they've got Manly, Parramatta, and Penrith to play interspersed with a few teams that are hanging around the top eight, like the Tigers, they're playing twice, they've got the Cowboys. Um, they don't really have an easy run home, especially when you consider only three of those remaining games are going to be played at home. Well, that's terrible. Um, the other thing is, too, like the lineup of teams that are right on their heels, I mean, there's so many teams that, that you could say, oh, yeah, they seem like... Like if you said all of the top eight teams... That or all of the teams that co- probably could have could be a top eight team. There's like about ten of them, twelve <laughs> of them maybe. Like so, they've got all of these teams that are snapping at their heels. It's going to be a, a tough road ahead. They're going to have to win a few games, probably that they're not going to be favourites in to keep in the top eight. Um, it's going to be a difficult task. It's going to be a real difficult task. I don't think that they may be ready for that yet. Yeah, I can probably see them fighting for eighth place, mm. but uh, it's hard to tell. I mean, I think I think we're going to see a different Mitchell Pearce. He's got that massive bogey off his back. Yeah. And that's a burden that's hung over his head for years, and that's, you know, never winning an Origin Series. 
he's now fixed that. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him play some pretty good free football from here on in. Um, they've got Kalen Ponga to come back as well, which those two have been pretty much running the entire side, along with the, the massive work that Clem has been doing. He's been their biggest signing this year, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. And look, Ponga, it, he's he's gone to a new level this year. I think it, it, about a month into the season, he really took his game to a different level. And I think now we are starting to see why he gets so many big raps. And his 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 general game play has been fantastic. His his uh, ball playing has been fantastic. He's really taken over. You know, the, from the halves in a lot of games, especially ones they've been losing in too. Like, there's games where Pierce has gone missing, and Ponga has has really he he's been the one that's tried to take over and and take them to a win. Um, but I I feel like it's too early for them just yet. I feel like next year they'll be a, a much better team, but I feel like this year they just won't have the consistency they need on the run home to to be a finals team. Yeah, if they can have minimal changes to this squad for next year, yeah, they are going to be a top five team next year. I'm certain of that. Um, yeah, they're just they're still working on some little things cohesion-wise. It's, it's starting to click. But, um, yeah, Ponga... I, look, the one thing good about Ponga is it comes down to his coach as well. Nathan Brown started the year and said, you know what, we're going to move him to 5-8. Mm-hmm. And he saw after two games, this is not working. Let's move him back to fullback. Yeah. He was willing to admit he got that wrong and make that yeah. change back. And that's, to me, that's a sign of a good coach and one they, sh- they need to hang on to. There's a lot of people wanting Nathan Brown's head on a bloody platter, you know, last year. Um, he's proven them all wrong, I think, this year. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, um, you know, when you look at how many terrible losses the club suffered over his tenure early on, and the squad he had to work with was just just terrible. It was trash, what mm. Wayne Bennett had left behind. And to really stick with it and, you know, to to for the people at Newcastle and at the Knights to have faith in him through the whole thing, like, and it's been unwavering, and they needed that. And, you know, Brown was one of the few people that was willing to take on the role. And now that they're going good, it's not like he's he's going in and saying, "Look, you've got to sign me for five years." You know, I deserve it now. He's uh, he's he's basically got the the thought pattern of like, "No, we the the job is far from over. Like we've only yeah. really just begun." And and that's good scene. I think that you're seeing that in his squad as well. I think you're seeing the attitude come down in into the squad as well. Um, it's it's really good to see. Absolutely, and what he's doing here is exactly the same thing he did at Huddersfield. He turned up there and turned that mediocre side into a top top three's team. Yeah. And kept them there. And they only went down when he left. Because he left and went to St. Helens and fixed up their mess as well and got them sorted out. That's what he does. He's a fixer. And when yeah. Jason Taylor was getting the boot from the Tigers, there was talk that he'd been you know, he was gonna apply for the Tigers job. I was like, I hope they get him. He's Look, just I, I, he's so I underrated as a coach. I was in you know, what, and I underrated him, and I I wasn't convinced, and especially when the, there was talk he might go to the Tigers, I thought it was going to be a bad idea. Um, this season is starting to change my mind about him as a coach. I think you've got to see when 
somebody like Brown, how he does when it is finals time. And, yeah, you know, everything changes a little bit. And now you're up against the elite coaches. Um, so he has that question mark over him. But there's no question being able to fix up a squad, he he ticks that box. Absolutely. Um, now, someone who hasn't been able to fix his squad has been Paul Green at the Cowboys. Mm. Um very little changes to this squad since the team that won the grand final, other than a few, you know, one or two important players retiring. But the core of that side still hanging around. He picked up some bloody good names in the offseason too, we might add. Um, but just hasn't clicked. They had, yeah, they had a run like, of three wins in the middle of the year. But aside from that, you know, it's been mostly just losing all the time and not floggings. Yeah. They only had one real bad bad game where the Sharks racked up 40 against them in round three. Other than that, they've all been pretty tight. That uh, just They've been close enough, but not good enough. See, I've, I've, I've got this thing with the Cowboys that they have, they've got winning DNA through that entire club. Because they, I mean, even when they, they got to that grand final that they lost without Thurston and Scott, I mean, that was a determined team that won that. And they really did that off the back of it being a lot of the players that had won a grand final previous. They knew what it took. Um, there are games this year where they have they've won the game because of that. Um, I think it could have been very, very easy for this season to go really bad for the Cowboys. But because they've got those winners in the squad, it's it hasn't gone that way. Um, I think the fact that they haven't, brought in some some new blood to the club has hurt them a little bit and I think they've recognized that I mean they brought in drink water from the storm I think he's been a good addition to the team yeah, they just need a bit more they need some more game breakers you know and, and they've got I mean their forward pack you don't really worry about because they've got Tal Malola who is just at one of the all-time greats uh, and so but I think that they need some players that you worry about, you know, just breaking the game wide open and scoring out of nowhere. They don't really have that. And they haven't had that for a while. Yeah, they're lacking a bit of depth in the halves too. I mean, the fact that Asiata, he's a, he's a forward, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Amazingly skilled one. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's had to play so many games at 5-8 this year, that's that shouldn't be happening. No. It's great that he can fill in that role and do a pretty damn good job at it, but... You need an actual 5-8 there, especially a backup one, and they should have had one. Um, sure, there were difficult circumstances as to why they lost theirs with um, Tamara Martin going down with a pretty pretty bad situation there with his... Scary, yeah. Yeah, but still, you've got to have someone else. You've always got to have two or three in every position. Yeah. They've been caught out there, I think. Definitely, and like... Once again, it comes down to, you know, that you, you don't worry about their halves being game breakers. You know, you you don't worry too much about their backs being game breakers. It's more they they almost grind you down. Um, and or it's Jason Talmalolo, you know, doing his impersonation of the Hulk. Um, and that they need better than that. And I think that look, I I rate Green as a coach. I, th- I think they need to do something in terms of recruitment. They need to go out and get someone who's, you know, get, got that ability. 
Um, and they're hard to come by. They really are. But they that's what the Cowboys have needed for some time now. And I think now that once they didn't have Thurston, who could do it sort of through his ball playing and all that sort of thing, it's really shown itself up. And it, like, yeah, they, they, so they're just having to grind away wins. I still, I think they'll make the finals and I wouldn't like to play them in the finals, but you know, it, it's, I think it, to win the grand final, you're going to have to be a team that can score out of nowhere at some point. And I just, there's not too many players in that Cowboys team that have that ability. No, we've, we've seen Clifford has started to come along pretty well the last month. Mm. Um, he looks pretty damn good, and I think he's going to get better um, pretty quickly. Yeah. Their problem for a long time, though, has been their three-quarter line, and all they need to do to fix that is just get a pair of mad Fijian wingers. <laughs> That's exactly what they need. Just Fijians. All the wingers should be Fijian. All exactly right. Just get yeah. a pair of mad Fijian wingers and put them in the side. Immediately their attack's improved. Yeah, definitely. It's It makes me think, actually, could, because they had some money to spend when Barber got sacked and they would have spent some of that on drink water. I don't know who is off contract at the Cowboys this, this season going into this off season, but wouldn't it be great for them if they could get someone like, um, semi Radradra back, like someone like that, who's just an yeah. out and out game breaker. Um, they need someone like that. Yeah. Him and Vunavalu. One on yeah, each wing. That, that'd be, that'd be fine. <laughs> that's the sort of madness they need um, can you imagine nah. those two running off of what Tal Malolo's doing it'd be fantastic oh, oh, can you imagine Radradra you know taking the ball back and you okay dealt with him now you got Tal Malolo oh no can we get rugby league gods I don't ask for much apart from Panthers premiership but can you make that happen please rugby league gods Thank bloody you. oath um, now I'm going to go another segue Ooh. Another great thing that Rugby League Gods did this year mm-hmm. is they ensured that Mitch Moses and Clinton Gutherson remained a Parramatta. Yeah. They set us up right through to about podcast 1050, I reckon. Um, Thanks, Parra. You know, Seriously, yeah. we love you. We love you so much. And they got them for cheap. Not really. Yeah, well. <laughs> they would have done if they hadn't have been all for those for all those offers they got from other clubs. Gutherson almost had one other offer, hey. Yeah, and try as he might, Paul Crawley did everything to try and talk up a deal with the Broncos for Moses. <laughs> oh man. They did all they could. Um somehow this year, Parramatta are in the top eight. Um yeah. they've won four of their last five games. Mm-hmm. Um They've had a pretty comfortable draw, though, I must say. Yeah, and, and got, it's during uh, origin time, and they, they feel very much, and they, they're next to each other on the ladder. They feel very newcastle in that sense, don't they? Like yeah, they sort and, of just snuck along and won games against teams that were maybe weekend and things, and all of a sudden you look and it's like, oh, what's Parramatta doing in sixth place? I don't think it'll last. Well, I'm just looking at what they've got coming up. Okay. They're playing Manly this week at Manly. Then they've got the Warriors at home. Then they play the Dragons. Then they play Newcastle at home. Then they've got the Titans. Then they play the Bulldogs at home. Then they play Brisbane up in Brisbane. Then they've got Manly at home. 
And not a bad run. If, if they don't win more than half of those, then they don't deserve to be in the finals. Yeah, definitely. There's a, there's there's at least three wins there that they should definitely win, and a couple of games there that you'd probably you you know fifty fifty. And as you say, if they don't win more than, uh, like half of those games, yeah. They don't don't, look, if they continue their form at, at Bankwest and they win their their four games there. Against yeah. the Warriors, Newcastle, Canterbury, Manly. That's not undoable. That that's more mm-hmm. than possible. Mm-hmm. And you chuck in a win against the Titans. There's five wins. Yeah, they're in the finals easy. Yeah, so they've got no excuses. What do, you reckon if, what do you reckon? Now that we've seen a fair few games at Bankwest Stadium, uh, otherwise known as the home of the West Tigers, our pot um, plant. Yeah, the pot plant. Hashtag our pot plant. Pot plant. Blah blah blah. Um, I reckon it's worth sixteen points to them. I said that early on. What do you, I mean? If, what do you reckon? Do you reckon it's worth sixteen to them playing at home? Well, we've seen this year it's worth at least ten. Mm. The game against Penrith proved that because mm-hmm. that's all Parramatta scored in that game. That's but yeah, true. it's it's um, they definitely grow another leg there. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, uh, mind you, they haven't really played. Other than other than South, who they beat um, 26-14 there, that's the only real tough competition they've had there. Because when they played Penrith, Penrith were in that uncertain stage where they were just coming out of that massive losing streak, and they still weren't yeah. playing good footy. Yeah. Um, other than that, they've played a lot of teams in shit form there. And so it's hard for me to gauge. They've just had a really lucky draw there. They really um, have. It, you know what? How cool would it be to see them play finals football there? Yeah, finals footy there is going to be insane. Oh. What I want I'll, to see there to test yeah. out this fucking venue yeah. is that their first finals game there is against Melbourne Storm. That would be fucking amazing. Mm. Damn, that would be cool. So, yeah, look, they if Brad Arthur cannot get that side into the finals this year, he needs to be sacked and buried. <laughs> wow <laughs> Coach of the no. year, Brad Arthur <laughs> yeah. um, There's no excuses, there's just none no. no They've cruised through, they've been I'm going to be honest, they've been erratic Other than oh. the last three weeks Where they've won their last three games Two of which have been against crap teams And the other one was against Canberra Who were iffy buddy anyway Yeah um, They've been erratic, but still managed to get themselves into the top eight and stay there. Yeah, it's a so, miracle they're there. It, like, if you just watching them during the season, you would say, there's no way this is a finals team. And, like, but look at them. They're sitting hmm. there. There they are. So, and with that run home, it's hard to see how they fail to get to the finals. Yeah. But they won't. They'll miss out because they're Parramatta. Well, one team that's got themselves in the finals contention is Penrith. Yeah. What a turnaround. The last time we spoke about them, they'd had two wins out of, what, eight or nine games, ten games? Yeah, and it was a terrible start to the year. They've now won six straight, and they're now sitting in eighth place on the ladder. Yeah, I just I think the big question mark over Penrith is in the grand final, do, do they like pick which way do they run, or do they just receive the ball? That's the big question hanging over them, I think, for the rest of the year. I would have thought you would have gone with 
do they get the mahogany? <laughs> or do they get a or do they go with maybe a, a fiberglass cabinet for the trophy? You know, I, I feel like the Panthers love a good plinth, you know, just to stand up, stand by itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's humble but showy at the same time. Exactly. It's like minimalistic, but fucking look at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, um, it's going to be interesting to see what day they hold the, the premiership winning parade through High Street. Um, I plan on picking up a High Street pie because they're the best pies in Australia. And, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So, so yeah, that's the Panthers done. It's interesting there. Um, I will just say that the one yeah. thing that was their problem going through the season, mm-hmm. other than a handful of games there just before they went on that winning run, yeah, was the inability to grind out a win. Mm. Like they get in themselves in that situation where they'd be able to win the match and then just choke and give it away. Mm. Just usually through stupid shit. And... That's the thing that's changed. It's the little one percenters that have changed. They, they haven't flogged anyone. You know, they beat Parramatta by six. They beat Manly by three. They beat the Roosters by nine, which is a, their best performance of the year so far. Yeah. Um, then they had a pair of 19 to 18 victories over South and the Warriors, both solid games. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were playing in bloody third gear last week against the Titans and did them easy 24 to two. They're in that situation mm-hmm. where... You're just waiting for the entire attack, the entire performance to just go click and they rack up 50. And they're mm. playing a god-awful dragon side this weekend at Penrith. And I think it could be happening this weekend. Time, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> it, the timing, they run perfectly. And it's interesting, those that extra 1% that they've got, it's been out of young players that they've brought into the team. And those young players really started embarrassing some of their veterans, and it's made their veterans have to stand up. Um, They moved on DWZ, and they moved on uh, Waka Blake, which I think that, you know, DWZ, I was upset that they lost him. Waka Blake, I I thought that it was was time for him. Like, they'd given him plenty of time to to show that he could consistently perform, and he just wasn't doing it. Um, so uh, Naden Nade, a... had come along in leaps and bounds this year. He just had to get a starting gig, and you can't tell me that Blake was better than him. Yeah, and, and it's I mean, you look at the way that he's played since he he got his first call up. It's, it's the improvement from uh, his his first couple of games were a bit erratic. Like since then, he has been ridiculously good, and it's like it's it's almost like I was talking about the Cowboys. He's got the ability to just get the ball, and all of a sudden it's a try. It's unbelievable, um, and I agree with you. I think that there's, and it's something that the Panthers, even when they've not been a great team, they've always had it in them that they could all of a sudden click and just absolutely slaughter someone, and they haven't really done that yet this season, and it is coming, and you can see it's coming, and um, when it when it comes, so will I. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Well, segue. <laughs> segue from there. Segway that. <laughs> yeah. Well, something that's not coming is the dragons. Yes. They're going. <laughs> they've, they've blown their load already. 
<laughs> they're just sitting in their mess going, how the hell do we clean this up? <laughs> yeah. They're in that moment where they're just sitting there, like, just disgusted with what they've done. <laughs> I don't want to clean this up. I was watching what? <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> Oh man! I didn't, I didn't even touch it. I, can, I can't um, even look at what's on the screen anymore. Whoa! <laughs> well, they, uh, there we go. Well, we had a good gonna, first fifty podcast, didn't we? <laughs> I, was, I was going to continue the pun and say they um, they come out of the box hard. <laughs> I had four straight wins to to get to sixth place in, in round six, March and then they went, and then McGregor went. Perfect timing. Yeah. I'm just going to sign a contract extension right here. And oh, since wow. then, they've had uh, two wins since round six. <laughs> oh, boy. Have they just shit themselves. Yeah. And last week, to lose to uh, a 12-man Raiders team who actually kicked on once they went down to 12 players. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Um they should just sack. They should just sack McGregor. He's he's done. His time is done. Um, Dragons fans have had enough. So, signing him to that contract was ridiculous. Whoever you know advised the club's owners to sign that contract should be fired as well. Um, unbelievable. What a what a mess. And it's not like it's talent. They've got heaps of talent. They're a top They've six got, talented team. They have immense talent. Look, I'll give you a number: twenty one thousand. That's the number of their crowds combined over the last three games at home. Oh, wow. That's terrible. Even their fans aren't watching them anymore. Wow. Oh, that's shocking. You know, that's, that's shocking. They've got to this point where they're playing like the Titans. You're looking at them going, what's their game plan? Yeah, yeah. And there's no excuse for it. They have a, they've got a top four forward pack. Definitely. Like it, it's full origin, of it's, as you as you said in the last episode, they've got origin yeah. halves. Yeah. It's like what the hell? It's unforgivable. They've got a Fijian winger. Yeah. Just it's unforgivable. And like at the start of the year, they were bashing teams. Yeah. They were absolutely bashing. I said it at the start of the year. It might have even been in our one third uh review. I loved watching them play because they yeah. were just putting it to teams and they fell off a cliff so hard. And that loss against the Knights uh, about a month ago was just disgusting. Like they did, they were just terrible. Um, and it hasn't got any better. No. I mean, look, they, they beat the Bulldogs. You know, yeah. They're supposed to beat the Bulldogs with the, yeah. the gapping talent. Um, and they scraped home against the Cowboys side, who I think. I have to check, but I think they were their origin players in that for yeah you know, both sides in that game. And the Cowboys were like, no, they weren't. The, well, the Cowboys in that game were like, it was just one of those games. You know, sometimes the team just comes out in the flat and it doesn't work, and that's what that game was for the Cowboys. I watch almost all the Cowboys games. I really like watching them play, and I actually tipped them to win. Uh, and it was just one of those games. It just didn't happen for them. Yeah, and. The one against Canberra, that's like the Newcastle game. You know, the week before against Melbourne, they played bloody well against Melbourne, the Dragons mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. And that was a weakened side, but still, they, they only lost by two. It wasn't a bad showing. Um, but that effort against Canberra, that's 
That's unforgivable. Yeah, it was um, pathetic. It was absolutely pathetic. And you know, if if they were well coached, they could they could very easily be like a top three or two side. You know, that's how much talent they've got. Without and a doubt, for the, to see them so far down the ladder, um, it's just it's absolutely incredible. I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, next team is South. Um, mm. They're currently sitting second on the ladder, despite having lost four of their last five games. Um, had the horrible situation this year where Greg Inglis retired, mm-hmm. which just left them in the lurch a bit, but they seem to have got over that really fast and went on a bit of a winning run. I think they won seven or eight straight games to get to the top of the ladder. But then Origin won. Origin yeah. was a turning point. Um, it somehow managed to turn off the the switch that made Corey, um, sorry, made Cody Walker brilliant. Yeah, really weird, hey? Just, just one lost game, bang, all switch. his confidence, just gone. Yep, just like that. It's it's weird, and he was like the form player in the comp. Um, he was untouchable. Yeah, they're like scoring bunches, scoring tries in bunches. Um, and he just hasn't been seen since. And there's been games where he's had the 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 chance to really step up and try something, and he just hasn't. It's really shattered his confidence. It's it's kind of sad to see. And the thing about this this south side, like they've had to deal with injuries to Reynolds, who had a, a back issue. Um, they've been missing um, Sam Burgess, who was getting his, his shoulder cleaned up, and then he got an infection in a post operation infection in it, so he wasn't there last round either. I don't know how many weeks he's going to be out with that that infection. He might be back this week. I don't know. Um, the other Burgess, because he tried to rip out Robbie Farah's eyes. Yeah, he went the optometrist route, and it didn't quite work out for him. Mm. Um, but So they haven't had an ideal run, so to be where they are on the ladder is kind of a minor miracle. Yeah, it certainly is. And they've got a um, they've got a tricky sort of run home. Mm-hmm. They've got the Cowboys this weekend up in North Queensland. Then they've got the Dragons. Um, then they've got the Sharks at Shark Park. Then they play Melbourne, play the Bulldogs, the Broncos up in Brisbane, the Warriors over in New Zealand, and then the Roosters. And Wow, that's a hard run home. It's tricky. But even yeah. the teams that are that are playing badly, they're playing them on their home ground. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a tricky sort of run home. And a lot of them are, are away games. So, look, they're going to be in the finals. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, definitely. Where they finish in there is going to be a bit tricky. I, I can see them, if this if this patchy form continues, they could probably drop down to fourth or fifth the way they're going at the moment. So I think what the they're... The thing that they're probably hoping for is they get to about a month out from the finals. They they finally get everyone back on deck again, which they haven't had for a number of a couple of months at least. Mm. And they just get enough football under their belt where they get back to being what they were earlier in the year. Um, you know, they've done well to sort of keep going and, and keep that second spot on the ladder. I, and I think that at their best, they're one of the top sides, obviously. They're one of the teams to beat. Um, so I, I, th- I feel like that's what they're hoping for. Yeah, I think I think you're right there too. They'll try and get wins against the Dogs, Broncos, Warriors, and the Roosters with any luck in those last four games of the year. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, speaking of the Roosters, they're next. And like South, their form's dropped off a cliff in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, they will 8-1 and one to be at the top of the ladder after round nine. And since then, they've had two wins and five losses to drop down yeah, to yeah. fourth. Um, surprise loss last week against an injury-hit uh, Cowboys side. Mm-hmm. Went down 15-12. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to get a gauge in their form. They're, they're, they're a million bucks when Tedesco plays, but when he's not there, they fall apart. Yeah, and you know the weird thing is, too, that when when they had lost the plays, to, they'd lost a few plays to Origin, but they hadn't lost as many plays to Origin as you probably would have expected. And there mm. were some plays like Radley, who you would have thought was going to play Origin and didn't. So, like, the their origin struck team was still pretty damn good. And it was kind of weird to see that they were losing, you know, against a, a lot of different teams. Um, that worries me because if you can find a way to neutralize Tedesco, and I don't know that there is a way, but if you can find a way, then the, the I mean, they become a completely different prospect. They don't become a scary and, it's really weird the comment the way the commentators deal with the roosters they're either the world they're either world beaters or they're just not doing it right you know it's never that they they're just not the team that you think that you, that you thought that they were yeah. um so yeah it's 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 interesting i i wonder if they can turn it around or not you know i don't look at them the same way i did earlier in the year i they're definitely not on melbourne's level um, I no. don't think they're on South's level at South's best. No, it's it's interesting. Is we're, we're seeing for the first time um, Latrell Mitchell in in bad form. Mm. I, I don't think he's still in it anymore. But people are starting to notice that he's not one of those players who touches the ball a ton of times. He's one of those um, impact players. Yeah, he picks yeah. he picks his moments, and he's been really good at picking the right moments to get involved in a game. Mm-hmm. But that's that instinct seems to have um, left him a little bit in recent weeks. Uh, coincided yeah. with him being dropped from Origin after Game One, um, and like Cody Walker, he struggled a bit with his form since then. Yeah, and look, I would say to Latrell Mitchell because I think people they're looking for the work rate out of him, and he just might not be that player. And I, I would say to Latrell, look, play your game. Yeah. You know, don't don't stuff up <laughs> your natural game going and looking for the ball in field and doing hit-ups because that's not what they want from him. They want him to get the ball kind of fresh and to start tearing it up like he was earlier in the year. And I think he'll definitely get back to that form. And his combination with um, Tupo is fantastic. You know? Absolutely. Um, so I, I think that he needs to just chill and, and concentrate and play in his natural game. I think that the other thing that jumps out at me about the Roosters, Ryan Hall... I was going to address the elephant in the room. Yeah, well. <laughs> the, the slow, fumbling ele- elephant in the mm. room. That's what should be playing every time he's playing. Look, I was thinking. Yes. If, if, there's, if Latrell needs a reason to stay in position on the, in the uh, outside backs there. Yeah. Then what the Roosters should think about doing is putting Ryan Hall outside him. Yeah. You'll have no option then. Exactly. That'll make him get through a, a fair bit of work in defence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm, look, my lasting image is going to be Ryan Hall against the Tigers a few weeks back when Benji Marshall ran towards his side of the field and passed a cutout ball to the to the uh, Tigers winger. And the Tigers winger was to the right of Ryan Hall. And Ryan Hall was the winger. He was standing in field and he turned left. And he jammed in. <laughs> he turned left. He yeah. turned the wrong way and couldn't see the winger, and the winger scored. And I went, "Who does that? That's like a that's like approaching a roundabout and turning right." Yeah, it was. Uh, he just does not look like a first grade player. And look, he's coming off a knee injury, so athletically, he's gonna not be what you would hope to yeah. be. But that, that wasn't athleticism. Nah, that was that's a decision. between the years. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, it was the. He basically did the very worst thing. Like if somebody said, okay, in this situation, what do you do? And any winger says, well, you jam in. You go, okay, now you go to third grade. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when the winger outside you's got the ball, which way do you run? Away from him? No, you try again towards him. Uh, but you know he makes three thousand five hundred meters every game, so you know. yeah, yeah. It's like every time I'm, I'm sure that he gets the meters that when he runs onto the field before kickoff. I reckon yeah. they count those yeah. meters, eh? And, and the ones on the training ground. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, on that rather jolly note, we'll move on to the Warriors. Ugh. The Warriors. Stephen um, Kearney has proven how much of a fluke. He was when he got the worst of the finals mm-hmm. um, because this side has no reason to be rubbish and yet they just turn out crap more often than not. And there's no excuse for it. I don't know why they keep him. It beats me. i got no idea. Like, And, and they've got, I mean, two of us, a Sheck at the back is in the top five plays in the world without question. And, does everything he can during a game. Like, he's he plays great in a beaten side. And you look through their side, they've got so many big-name players in their team, and then they've got so many good youngsters and things like that, and they're still crap. I ask you, do they miss Sean Johnson? No. They don't miss Sean Johnson. I don't think they miss him at all. I think this year, Blake Green is playing at n- not the highest level he has. I think that his ceiling was not real high and he's kind of playing at Blake Green level again and that's really hurt them. Um, I don't know why they got Nicarima because if anything, they would have needed an, an organizing halfback and Nicarima is kind of like so many other halves that they've had. He's just like, he's a he's an all right ball runner. Yeah. But... You know, he's a six. Yeah, he's now at six. They need I an organizer. They got him. Yeah, and so and the, they've got that that young player that they had earlier in the year, and I can't remember his name. I always Harris, forget his name. Harris Har- Tavita. Harris Tavita. That's it. Um, and he was playing pretty well, and I even watched him play reserve grade and called him in reserve grade game, and he played really well in that game. And it feels like whenever he's on the field, he's doing something for the Warriors, but for whatever reason, they won't commit to him in the halves. I don't understand why. Yeah, it's got me beat. Look, the one thing that gets me is they've got a young guy in reserves there uh, mm-hmm. called Hayes Perham. 
Um, I don't know if you heard of him or not, but no. he can he can play fullback. He can also play in the halves. Yeah. Um, the kid is a gun, um, and they won't they rarely play him. I don't know why. I would not be surprised if they lose him within the next yeah. year or two. Yeah, and he'll go to another club, and he absolutely kills it. Really? It'll be another story like Charles Nickel Clockstad. Yeah, this kid is is sensational, and yet he's only played two games this year. Wow. And the team that's struggling like that. Put him in there. What's the worst that's going to happen? Jack him on the wing. Yeah. You know, just get him in there. Yeah. I I just, I don't know why they persist with Kearney. I don't understand it. Uh, it it just, he's he's never shown anything to suggest that he's the man for the job. And, I mean, their form this season's been terrible. Um, Inconsistent know. as hell. You cannot pin down their form. You cannot sit there and go, okay. I'm I'm confident that the Warriors are going to win this weekend. Yeah, you just never are. Yeah, it, it, and the Warriors are one of those teams. It's like you you cannot bet on their games ever, like no. ever ever. Because if they play to if they just play to their level, they're a bloody good side. They can almost beat. In fact, they can beat the Melbourne Storm on a good day. Right? Yeah, they but, very nearly did it this year with a injury ravaged side. They lost by one point on Anzac Day against the full strength Storm side. Yeah, and but the thing is, they can go in fully fit and just drop a duck egg and just yeah. be and make make the dumbest decisions, stupid decisions, do warrior stuff. It, it's craziness, and it's yeah. got to come back to the coach. Yeah. Well, let's be honest. The only thing. Kearney has brought to that club is that breathing exercise they do after scoring tries. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, it's got to work. It must work yeah. for them. Yeah, it does something. Yeah. All right. We're up to lucky I know last. I enjoy breathing, hey? Well, it, it's good for me. Yeah. I yeah, I do it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> lucky last, the West Tigers. Oh. <laughs> Are you ready for this one? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Look, I'm not, I'm not going to death right. I'm, let's be honest. Yeah. They don't have a world-class squad. No. And it, it has all the hallmarks of being a squad in transition because Maguire turned up to this team with very little chance to create the squad that he wanted. Mm-hmm. Um. The signings he's made have been very good. I mean, you can't you can't argue with um, Ryan Madison. That kid's been absolutely gun this year. He was an 18th yeah. man for for New South Wales in game one. Yeah. Um, bringing back Farrah and Marshall have been masterstrokes. Those two are absolutely killing it. Mm-hmm. And there's already talk that they're going to play again next year. Hope so. Um, now, Robert Jennings. Um, wow. How bad was he on the weekend? How bad has he fallen from his time at South? He looked like a world beater there, and he's turned up to the Tigers and just looks like he's just there for the cash. Yeah, uh, it's weird when you see that, isn't it? Um, another player, and this one, this one doesn't get talked about because he's a bit of a favourite son, and that's Chris Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Um, the shit he's gone through as a player is insane. A dislocated hip that should have ended his career. Um mm those horrific facial injuries that should have ended his career. Mm-hmm. He still comes back and still plays with that. You know, if, if every NRL player played with the determination and drive that he had, 
This this competition would be insane. Yeah, yeah. The guy's got a massive heart, massive ticker on him. But is he an NRL level second rower? <sighs> um and this is the thing, it's a hard thing to discuss because you just go he's overcome so much to get back in the side and he's a a phenomenal line runner. But and and that's honest, the thing. That's he all is he's a good got line honest. runner. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I feel as though I feel as though the second rowers I, I, I feel as though he hasn't got the same all round game as what you would want from a second rower. He's a very good uh, line runner, as you say, but I feel as though he's not whacking dudes in defence. No. He's he's just Liam Fulton again. And Liam yeah. Fulton wasn't a bad player, but he was he was essentially a depth player that you put in there when you got a few injuries. He's the first bloke you call on to come and help plug a gap. He's the bloke you put on the bench as your defensive player. Yeah. He's not your game breaker you put on the starting lineup to play eighty minutes. Look, and, and I guess that that's the key to it, is that at the moment, when you look at this, as you say, they haven't got the, the greatest talented team in the, the comp. And I think that that's probably what it is. If if they had a, an all right forward pack, you would say, oh, yeah, they, you know, Chris Lawrence is, you know, handy player to have in that pack. But because he is almost like a featured player in this pack, you probably look at him a little bit differently. Yeah. I hate having this discussion because he's... He's, he's everything I'd want from a player. Mm. He's loyal. He works so goddamn hard. Mm-hmm. Um, he puts in 300 bloody percent. The bloke's insane. But I just think the the impact, especially with that hip injury, I think it's catching up with him. Mm. I wouldn't mind him if he was on the bench and he's playing, you know, not 80 minutes, but playing, you know, 30 or 40. Yeah. I think we'd get more explosive performance out of him then and he'd be really handy that way. And I'd be more than happy to have him on the bench. I just don't think he should be starting anymore. Yeah, I mean, like, how old is he? He'd be, what, 30-odd? Yeah, yeah, 30. He's been playing for 13 years. Yeah, I, and I was just thinking, like, he's and he's had a lot of injuries, which will have taken a lot of Ks out of his legs. I wonder if you could reshape him as a player where you said to him, look, we're going to make you drop a little bit of weight we're going to have you as a, a ball runner off the bench and we're going to work on your, your basically your leg speed and your explosiveness. I wonder if he would still have the athletic ability to change himself just a little bit where you bring him off the bench as a, as a weapon off the bench, you know, in the second row. Um, I think he could probably do that. He always had phenomenal pace when he was, mm. before his hip injury. Mm. Um, one of the fastest centers that were going around the game at the time. Um, so he probably could. I mean, he's one of the fastest second rowers there is. Yeah, because I, I, of that. And it but, might yeah. just be something that extends his career a little bit longer. Um, and yeah, it, because I I feel as though that, I mean, we're in a golden age of forwards, and they're all massive. They're all they're all very well rounded. And I just feel as though that Chris Lawrence might just be utilised a little bit better in a different way. Yeah. Um, the other problem the Tigers have got is their contingency for when Marshall and Farrah do leave. Yeah. Um, Josh Reynolds has... Look, he's he's become Matt Ballon Mark II at the Tigers. Yeah, he, he just, like, 
I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he retired, quite honestly. It, it feels as though his career is just at some sort of point where, you know, it, it just feels like it might be time. Like, sometimes your career just runs its course. Um, yeah. I, his future de- definitely isn't at the the Tigers. And even if Marshall retired at the end of the year, I wouldn't be thinking to myself, well, at least they've got Reynolds. I'd be kind of looking for the next guy. Um, I, I, I really, really hope they can hold on to Farah and Benji for another year because they're both playing fantastic footy. Um, they're both doing a great job. I think Benji has been absolutely fantastic for Brooks this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. They... I think that Brooks has got to a level in his game where he, like, he, he he still needs a little bit of that safety net in Marshall, but it, having that safety net lets him do other things that he hasn't been doing previously. Yeah. Um. So I think they really need to hold on to those two. He also needs the um, kicking option that Farrah provides at a dummy half too. Yeah. Because it takes so much pressure off Brooks. He doesn't have defenders piling on him all the time because you've got Farrah and Marshall who can do cooking duties as well and very well. So it means that Brooks is often one-on-one with defenders, and that's when he's at his best. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, they need to hang on to... They're in a situation where they, they can't afford to lose Benji Marshall or, or Robbie Farah. Yeah, they really are. They're I mean, not going to have the, the money to replace them. N- no, and, and the thing is, too, like, if they lose those two and they just i mean just say they they bring Reynolds in at 58 and they have that young bloke that um you've talked about before that comes in at Little. Hooker. Little. Little yeah um i mean where do you rate that i mean i would rate that side probably like maybe 15th you know little he's one of those players that go, he has the potential to be another Robbie Farrar. and while he has been playing this is his fourth year he yeah. is 22. He's not old. Yeah. Um, he's just been injury prone. He's just starting to get a run now of, mm. of games where he hasn't been impacted by injury. And he's slowly starting to to work his way into the team. But he he really needs to have that accelerated a fair bit over the next uh the next six months. Mm-hmm. Because if Farrah decides he doesn't want to play next year then Little's the man for next year, and we don't have a, another genuine nine at the Tigers to be his backup. So he's not only got to be the man, but he's also got to be an 80-minute man. Yeah, and I mean, that's a giant, giant step up from what he's doing yeah, right now. That's right. Um, you know, it's 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 not a great situation for them to be in, and, you know, I, I just really do. I hope they stick around with Farrah and Marshall just one more year. I love Benji. I want to watch Benji Marshall play footy forever. Oh, look, there's, the Tigers have got that feel about them now that they had back in 2005-06 where people just enjoy their presence in the competition. Yeah. They don't even mind if they lose to them because, you know, you've got, you got Benji. He's now so passionate about the game. You know, seeing him getting teary about a lot of things, playing for test football and stuff like that. It's it's pretty bloody great to see that it means so much to him. Yeah. And to hear him talking about how happy he is being back at the club. And to see Farrah being so happy about being back at the club. And they're playing the way they want to. Mm-hmm. And it proves the point I've been making for years about them when Jason Taylor came to the club. That 
the reason why Farrell's playing bad there is because he's being forced to play a style of football that Jason Taylor wanted him to play, mm-hmm. which essentially would prove that Farrell wasn't capable of playing hooker anymore. Mm-hmm. And he did that because he did what the coach wanted to do. Yeah. And now that he's come back, they've said, we want you to play your natural game. We want you to be fast out of dummy half. We want you to kick from dummy half. We need that service. And it's the first time in years he's been able to go out and play Robbie Farrah football mm-hmm. with a reasonable forward pack around him. Yeah, yeah. And he's looked pretty damn good because of it. Um, and Benji's just a different a different player now compared to what he was 10 years ago. He's a genuine game, uh, you know, game organiser, controller and stuff like that. And um, he doesn't throw, you know, 30 bad passes every week over the sideline. No, I mean, look, I thought... The, where I would rate Benji Marshall is if if he decided to leave the Tigers and Maloney left the Panthers, I would have no problems with the Panthers signing Benji Marshall for two years. Like mm. I, I just think that he is he, he's just in great he's in great form. He's doing exactly what he needs to do. Um, you know, he's playing great footy. I th- and I've said before on the podcast that I think Farris having his best season ever. Yeah, it's um, it's hard to see that either would be wanting to leave. And, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, there's reports that both are on not much money either, which makes it harder to get rid of them because you know a, a hooker and a five eight that are NRL already are not mm. going to be cheap to buy. No, no, not at all. And you know, it's there's not much there's not much in that squad where you look at it and you're like, oh, they, they definitely have to hold on to him. They definitely have to hold on to him, you know, um, but they definitely have to hold on to those two. Yeah, and I think they, moving forward, they've got two players there on big money that they're probably going to have to look at releasing so they can feel the Farah and um, Benji loss, and that's going to be Moses and Bai and Josh Reynolds. Yeah, I was they're shocked on. when I heard how much Moses and Bai is on. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So that's pretty much wrapped that up. Um, we didn't get too miserable there. No, we didn't. We didn't. We were pretty positive. I think that, uh, you know, we went through every team. I think the heaviest praise we saved for the Penrith Panthers, the 2019 NRL Premiers. And, yeah, it's been – what have you thought about this – middle third of the season. It's always very scrappy because of state of origin and there's been a lot of games that were kind of messed up because of it. What have you thought of it? Um, like I do every year, I, I hate the origin period when it comes to the NRL. I wish they'd either do origin quicker or put the entire NRL on hold because it, it just for me it just ruins my part of the season. We're not getting good football from anyone really because there's you know, second-rate teams and teams that aren't playing together normally, and it's just a, a weird mess. Yeah, but, I uh, agree. Yeah, I think we've seen a few things being corrected, though. I mean, we've got mm-hmm. Penrith back in the top eight, which is where they should be. Yeah. Um, the Cowboys are moving back up the ladder. Um, then you've got weird things like Brisbane and the Dragons. You know, fourth and third last is just mad. Yeah, I I would say though that the that has, I mean Brisbane 
is kind of making their, their own mess and the dragons are doing the same for them. I feel as though that's not so much to do with the middle third draw. I feel like Parramatta and Newcastle are a lot to do with the middle third draw um, yeah. and, and then being in the top eight. That I feel that. Um, and, and, yeah, Penrith being back into it feels like, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if by the end of the season they were maybe in sixth, maybe even fifth place. Um, depending on how their form kicks on and if they can continue to just win the majority of the games for the rest of the year. Um, well, their biggest yeah. threat's going to be Cronulla and the Cowboys. Yeah. They've both been hit a bit by injuries of late, which has hurt their performances a bit, and they're only one win behind. Yeah. And the, the weird thing is, too, like, you look at Parramatta, who's in sixth place. There are only a couple of wins ahead of, like, the 11th place place Tigers like yeah. if, if if the likes of Parramatta and Newcastle just have a bad month they could find themselves like way out the eight that's right it's uh look the, the biggest problem that Penrith have got is the points difference more than anything yeah because if they lose this weekend and the Sharks get up then Penrith are back out of the top eight because their points difference is minus 71 the Sharks is minus six yeah, and as yeah. you say, like because they haven't really put on a score on anyone, they've been grinding out wins. It's that's hurt them. That's really hurt yeah. them. They had what two two bad losses. It's not many, but it's enough to push that points difference down a fair bit. So mm-hmm. they need a big win somewhere, preferably two. I think the only thing that you can guarantee for sure um, going into the end of this season is that Melbourne are going to be minor premiers. And the West Tigers are going to end up ninth. If they do, given where they are now, I probably wouldn't be too upset with that. (laughs) (laughs) My question is going to be, who's going to have the spoon? Yeah, I mean, hmm. Do the Titans come out and all of a sudden start playing just half decent? Or do they just continue to suck and the Bulldogs continue just to find a win here and there. Do the Dragons and the Broncos go further down the ladder? I feel the Broncos, just on talent, will... I wouldn't be shocked if they made the finals. I I could see the Dragons doing it, though, hey? Yeah, they are in all sorts there. They're they're two, two losses out of it. If the the Bulldogs jump them, which is very seeable... And the uh, you could see the Gold Coast turning around a little bit towards the end of the year. Maybe if they get an interim coach, they like a little bit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. That's ah, crazy. Um, yeah, so it's going to be a fascinating run to the finals. It really will. This it is really the, will. Uh, the business end of the season. And what's the other stupid cliche that we often hear? Oh, yeah. Heading towards the big dance. Yeah. Uh, the other one, too, is... Um, Oh, they're coming home with a wet sail. Oh, the wet sail. Oh, I love a wet sail. Do wet sails actually work? Well, I, I, I guess the whole, th- and I don't know this definitely, but I guess the point is that a wet sail isn't as efficient, but it does work to a certain extent. Hmm. I don't have any nautical prowess, so I can't really weigh in on this. I would have thought that a wet sail would be a bit heavier and therefore um, counterproductive to speed. Yeah, but the, the thing about a sail, I'm pretty sure, 
is that it's not just about the way that it 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 fills with air from behind. It's you can also get them so that they um work almost like a aeroplane wing. It's it's all very it's all very technical. This is all shit that I've heard while I've watched. I I used to sit down and watch the uh the Louis Vuitton series leading into the um America's Cup. I I always used to watch it. Hey, I was big on it. It's the only that, sailing I'd ever watch. So that would actually make you the nautical expert of this podcast then? I guess so. Add that to your Twitter profile. Just, yeah, Captain. Captain Leesbrook. <laughs> there I say, seaman. <laughs> <laughs> and we've come full circle. There's a seaman expert. Seaman <laughs> expert. <laughs> um, now a few chicks like that. Captain Seaman <laughs> Expert. <laughs> That's got a ring to it. Yeah, it does. Ah, well, no, it's just bad taste in your mouth, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of bad naval jokes we could probably go on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> ah. On that, uh, we've got to call that a classy note. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, Thank you for tuning in to all 50 episodes of the show so far. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you for your support. And uh, we look forward to having you hang around for another three weeks when we turn out the next 50. Yeah, and by the way, go and follow the starting block on Twitter, Drop the K. Yes, and where can they find us? Well, they can find us, right? If you go on Twitter and you put in Andrew RLP, up pops a rugby league expert, the number one statistician in the entire game, international and domestic and everywhere else, and a historian and a rugby league author. It's pretty right. good. How did he do all of that? Ah, he's got plenty of spare time on his hands. Let me tell you. Podcaster. Yeah, and podcaster, SEO expert, uh, writer. What else? Um, if we're talking SEO experts, though. Yeah. They don't come better than, than League Freak. Oh, he's pretty I mean, good. You've been doing this shit for years. I mean, you invented SEO. I was doing SEO before it was called SEO. Yeah. <laughs> no one even knew what it was. Yeah. I just Absolute used to call SEO it shit King. that I just used to call it shit that comes up good on Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shit everywhere often. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you just say the right things. And uh, see, if you ever want a good laugh, go to my website, look through some of the old archives, and just look at some of the headlines that come up with. They're fucking brilliant. There's some great stuff on there. Some of the stuff about Mitchell Pierce too. Ah, seriously, I I I don't mind saying I'm brilliant. (laughs) That's underplaying it. Yeah, phenomenal. It's not Um, an opinion; it's a promise. So yeah, we um we are actually also on YouTube, and now we actually have YouTube exclusive content. Yeah, there's Check three videos on there now, which are now exclusive to YouTube, and one of them was um a video that Freak made. So he's not just an SEO expert and a rugby league expert; he's now a video producer, cinematographer. Oh my goodness! And that thing was fantastic. It really um, was. So that's on there. There's also my daughter giving her footy tips, and then we discussed each team. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also had our four 
Yes, four hour live show that we did last weekend. Um, and there's more of that to come. Yeah, <laughs> that's that we're doing. We're doing some special stuff live. Oh, it's going to be great. Boy. We've got some epic, epic stuff coming. Just um, make sure you've bought your tokens because it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, get into all of that. Follow us on, on Twitter at Fergo Freak Pod. Check out our Facebook page. Uh, get in there, like everything, subscribe everything, share it all. We love it when you do. Um, you know, we even, even Freaky here even gives people follows if they do the right thing. How can they do yeah. that? How yeah, can they get well, a follow from you? I tell you what, if you show me that you've subscribed, right, and if you go on and rate us five stars and write, like, the most just ridiculously amazing, praiseworthy review on iTunes, like you say, this podcast turned my life around and now I'm finally sober after 47 years, like, stuff like that. Make it really good. Five stars. You've got to do that. And if you take a screenshot of all that, I'll follow you on Twitter. I mean, here's the classic example. Okay, here's, here's the last review that was written by some loose unit. Okay, um, just, this podcast is magnificent, glorious, just... <clears throat> that's what she said. <laughs> and who, what was the name of the person that wrote that one? Uh, Andrew RLP. Ah, there you go. Yeah, I'm going to follow him when I yeah. jump off the podcast. It'll be good. Yeah. yeah, you'll find me bitching about certain Parramatta players and posting a lot of graphs and stats and talking about history occasionally. Mm, okay. That'll I'm sure that's going to excite you. It really will. I've already got a chub thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. Yeah. As you do. So uh, we've on that glorious note. The glo- oh, I've got one more thing. Oh, you, you go onto Patreon, right? And you look up RL Project. Yeah, patreon.com slash RL Project. Yeah, and you go there and you open your wallet. And it, it can be anything. It could be five bucks, ten bucks, hundred bucks, thousand bucks, whatever whatever you've got loose change, you know? Yeah. And you just donate to that. And what that allows is the greatest statistical resource in Australian sporting history and maybe in world sport, to be worked on 24-7 by Andrew Ferguson, and it will allow him to produce all of the content and, you know, update all of the statistics and everything. And it's not only a resource for fans, but it's a resource for the game in general because this is our history of the great game that we love. And I would really love to see rugby league clubs and organisations get behind it and support Rugby League Project by donating to RL Project on uh, Patreon because it's it's just the number one Rugby League statistical resource in the entire world. Here, here. I will say one more thing. Yeah. If you type in patreon.com slash RLP, yep. you'll go to something that's a long way removed from Rugby League Project. Yes. But not too far removed from rugby league in general in recent times. <laughs> yes. I'll leave that carried out there for people. Okay. <laughs> um, just one thing about that. Um, not suitable for work. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely. <laughs> Don't go looking up that on your work one because it could be, could be called into HR. 
yeah, yeah. Um, and that's not I didn't do that. I found that quite by accident. Yeah, several yeah, several, a, several times. I'll be honest. I've been donating to them for years, but still, I thought it was funny anyway. Yeah, I should set up some sort of link with them so that we sort of share funds a bit because I think they're getting a bit of my bit of my money. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine signing up to their honor and then all of a sudden you're like, what the hell is this? Yeah, where's the stats? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, people. Well, thanks for tuning in for this uh, extra long, extra special episode, and we'll catch you all later. Bye-bye, people.